Welcome to Mom Fashions, an honest discussion about the beauty and burden of motherhood. I'm Emily. And I'm Beth. And we hope these next few minutes encourage, inspire, and remind you that we are all in this together. This is Mom Fashions, a Fort Worth Moms production. Episode 69, Potty Training and Pelvic Floor Health. Today's episode is sponsored by Genesis PT and Wellness. Genesis PT and Wellness is a holistic pelvic floor therapy practice, including a team of specialty physical, occupational, and massage therapists, including today's guest, potty training expert, Dr. Leah Figali. For more information, go to genesisptwellness.com. Hello, Mom Fashions listeners. Emily and I are back in the studio, and today we are joined by a really special guest, and I'm so excited for us to learn from her, but also for you to get to kind of pick her brain, so to speak. Uh, She's got a lot to teach us. So Dr. Leah Fegali is here, and she is with Genesis Physical Therapy, and she's going to talk to us today about potty training. Welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Beth and Emily. Thank you for having me today. Uh, so yeah, I'm Leah, Dr. Leah Ferrali. I uh, am a pediatric and a women's pelvic floor physical therapist. Uh, I specially exclusively like treat the pediatric patients of Genesis PT and Wellness. And I just love what I do. I love teaching this next generation about pelvic floor health and good toilet habits. And um, I also wrote books about potty training. I'm an author of The Day I Learned How to Use the Potty. And the reason why I wrote the books is to prevent bedwetting and constipation and pelvic floor dysfunction later on. And this is the first milestone that children learn. So I believe that um, parents and children need to be more educated about this topic and learn how to facilitate the process so that their children will have a long-term potty training success, not only a short-term one. Yeah, that's what I do. Um, she also happened to write uh, something for Fort Worth Moms, which is on our website. Um, it was an article you wrote for us called Good Potty Training Habits uh, Prevent Constipation and Bowel Problems. And so not only will we link to that article in our show notes, but we'll also link to your website and to a link for the book that you wrote, which um, I haven't yet had a chance to read it, but I saw your website and I saw the cover and it looks darling, actually. It's it's a funny topic for kids, but you do it in a great way. So um, I'm excited to share that with our readers as well. Yeah, it's more about like three books, one activity book uh-huh. for the parents and the kids and uh, two storybooks. Um, and I called it the day I learned as a book series because we all have that one day when we learn something new and it clicks. So um, that's the day where these children will learn how to really potty train. And they're available at Genesis as well in their clinics. I'm so intrigued by this because, you know, I've I've got three kids. They're, you know, school age and so fully potty trained, praise <laughs> the Lord. You know, I've seen and looked at a lot of potty training books, but they're all about the how to in the moment potty train and not so much about how to prepare 
for potty training. And I think that sets what you do apart so much because that's not something that I've ever seen or heard from other parents, but you're saying that that is the most important part is to kind of prepare and teach them ahead of time to avoid a lot of these problems later. So. Yeah, totally. Um, um, and that's why I wrote them. Mm-hmm. I don't want my patients or parents to call me when their children are between five to 14. That's what I see mostly. And they're having bedwetting issues, soiling accidents, incopresis, mm-hmm. which is sort of fecal incontinence. They poop without even noticing it. And you know, urinary incontinence during the day. So this is basically avoiding dysfunction. It's a big umbrella. Um, mm-hmm. um, and uh, to prevent that, it's all traced back to inadequate potty training. And mm. the books that are out there, in fact, that's funny you say that. Uh, in my last webinar that I did uh, on Tuesday for potty training moms, most of them, they were... Um, they read a book about potty training and uh, they, or they learned from parents that I have that window of opportunity to potty train mm-hmm. and I need to potty train in a day or three days. And they feel the pressure and they put the pressure on the kids. And most for some children, it might work, but for most of them, it doesn't. And uh, that's why we need to pre-train a child and help them through the process. It is a process. This is mom fashion. So here's here is the confession. Is all of the things that you are saying honestly are kind of like making my brain blow up because all right, so I've owned Fort Worth Moms for nearly eight years. I have I have talked to a mom or two about potty training, right? Like lots and lots of discussions. This is one of Uh, the biggest milestones that a mom of like a toddler in preschool age kid experiences, right? There's probably more stress and anxiety about potty training for a mom than maybe any other issue, except for maybe sleep issues, maybe during those, that time frame. And I've heard all the things that you've said. I've heard people that you like strip their kids naked and give them apple juice for three days. Um, I've heard, you know, like sticker charts. I've heard people trying it too. I've heard people putting their kids on the potty when they're very young and infants. Like I've heard all host of things of ideas, but I have not yet heard, and I am telling you this honestly, this is true, that the perspective of maybe not so much pressure on when the potty training gets done, but like you're kind of saying, considering what and how you're going to potty train, because it it does get your child's body into bowel function habits and voiding habits. And it kind of sets the stage, like you're saying, for what their behaviors are going to be in terms of just their body function. I mean, it's it's to me similar to like why you sort of feed a child on a certain schedule. And we all have variations of what that schedule may be, but you're kind of training your child of how to eat food, digest food, and then you fuel yourself again, et cetera, et cetera, later in the day. So this is kind of like 
mind-blowing to me. And can you just say, I guess my question would be, what are your best tips for moms who are about to embark on that potty training process? Well, my top tips are, one, don't feel pressured. You know your child best. So you have to facilitate the process and not control it. It's This journey is not about you. It's about your child. And you're there to teach them, teach them body awareness, teach them how to listen to their body, have more um, uh, interoception, feeling feeling when my bladder is nudging me, when my, when my rectum is nudging me, using correct anatomical words. There's too many prerequisites for body training that we cannot go through in only a day or three. So um, body training starts way before a child is ready. We need to make sure that they go through the crawling phase. They have good core stability. It's not only about sitting on the toilet. It's about stopping what you're doing, feeling, listening to your body, holding it, going to the restroom. So there's too many prerequisites again. So don't feel pressured. Take it day by day. Teach your children correct anatomical words, body awareness, not only around how the bladder works or how our body, I mean, around everything. What are you going to eat? Oh, I want to eat a burger. Hmm, your body is so smart. It feels like it wants to eat the burger right now. It's hungry. It's just sending you signals. So our bodies, we have to be mindful of them, even when they're cold, even when they're hot, you know? So bringing that child awareness on the body signals and all aspects of it is very, very important because this is what body training is about, learning what my body is telling me to do. So all of the rewards when it comes to, oh, I, g- I gave him a cookie and now he doesn't want that cookie and he's peeing on the, on, on the floor, you know? The goal is to let the child listen to their body and go to the restroom when there's no adult there to please, or he's not doing that just to, you know, to make that adult happy. He's doing this for himself, for his self-esteem. It's independence, it's separation from the mom. And this is a process. I know there's a lot of books and a lot of methods, and but the American Physical Therapy Association recommends the child-led method. And um, don't try to start before they're at least 18 months old, because this is when the neuromuscular development starts to happen. This is when the, the child starts to feel that they need to pee or poop. So starting way before, I mean, you can do elimination communication and, you know, all of that, but do not take the diaper off pre-trained without the stress of taking off the diaper and always watch out for constipation. That's a big, big thing because it only takes one bad experience on that toilet for the child to withhold the stool, contract Mm -hmm. the pelvic floor muscles and get Mm -hmm. into that vicious cycle of constipation that we can break. But the symptoms of, of that one bad experience or of the potty training phase Um, they start to show whenever a child is six or seven. And this is most of the patients that I see, bedwetting problems, soiling accidents, Mm -hmm. and all of that affect their anxiety and their self-esteem. And they can't go, you know, have sleepovers because, well, they're wetting the bed and they're nine years old. And some pediatricians are telling them that, oh, he's going to outgrow it. Oh, no, he will never outgrow it. We have to look into the Mm -hmm. physiological cause that happened and why this happened and just work on it. Mm -hmm. So this almost sounds like and and I realize you're saying don't physically potty train 
until you feel like your child is ready, no earlier than 18 months. But the conversations and the way that you're preparing the way and the words that you're using, that almost starts from birth, right? Using the correct anatomical terms. And so you're you're preparing from the time that you bring your child home and the way that you talk to them about their body and how it works. Totally. Yeah, that feels like a lot less pressure than the three days of, you know, <laughs> just make it and happen. And most of like, even the patients that come and or that, uh, that join my webinar, the body training setbacks, I ask them like, what did you use? They're like, well, that weekend I was off. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I had the time oh, to body train that. my child. <laughs> yes. It's not about you. I mean, it's good for you. You need you need those three days. But guess what? You yeah. can't just take off. Diaper has been their security blanket for so long. You can't just take it off and tell mm-hmm. them, hey, go sit on that big, scary toilet that makes sounds and it's cold and <laughs> there's yes. no stool or support and, um, and just poop there. Yeah. We just, again, preventing that one bad experience is, is the big component into mm-hmm. body training. What about the women who are maybe in my stage, where my kids have been potty trained for years, but have a child who is struggling, how do they, how do you go back and retrain or help that child to maybe heal from whatever the bad experience was that maybe is causing the bedwetting? It depends on the experience. It depends on so that's that's what we do usually um, one-on-one with my patients. We go through all of the medical history. I go through back to whenever they were crawling, whenever they started solid food, were they ever constipated? Like there's too many questions we ask parents to understand what is going on with the child. And uh, we ask for x-rays. I have to go through every aspect of not, to, not only look at the pelvic floor muscles, but how the bladder is functioning the rectum, uh, their abdominal function, because it's it's a holistic approach. We have to look beyond the pelvic floor muscles in order to be able to help the child. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also psychological, because if this has been going on for so long, it's bringing anxiety, affecting their self-esteem. And honestly, most of my patients, after I treat them, the parents go like, my God, I've never, I've never seen my child happy or seen his personality because I mean imagine you are constipated or are having accidents which happens to adults as well right we all have pelvic mm-hmm. floor muscles that and we can have pelvic floor dysfunction at any point or age you would feel I mean if you were bloated and constipated for a week let's say only yeah. a week you would feel like irritated and please nobody talk to me <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm irritated same with a child and once you fix the issue whether it's physiological or mostly it's physiological, but we need to understand why this happened. Then their personality changes and they feel better. They feel better about themselves and their self-esteem is different. What would you say to um, a mom that has, you know, like young kiddos, what warning signs should we kind of be looking for? And, you know, when should we kind of stop self-treating that constipation? You know, when would should we start getting maybe evaluations for our kiddos that there is more of an ongoing issue? Yeah. So usually whenever a child is more than five years of age and is older and having bedwetting problems, you have to reach out. You have to reach out to a specialist. Okay. Uh, although many pediatricians, some of them are awesome at referring patients and or at looking at the physiological cause. 
but a lot of them go like oh um he will outgrow it he'll be fine no mm-hmm. he, he's not gonna be fine it's gonna get worse if it's a constipation problem and the rectum is being enlarged it's gonna get worse and uh, it might lead to soiling accidents even. So whenever a child is having bedwetting problems, if they were potty trained and uh, dry for like six months, and then somehow they regressed and they're having setbacks, reach mm-hmm. out straight right away. And uh, whenever they're having daytime incontinence, sometimes pooping, sending up. So I have some patients that go like, oh, my child is not constipated. He's pooping three times a day. I'm like, great. How is he pooping? Well, he's pooping standing up. Okay. And how is his stool consistency? Well, it's a little bit hard, but it's fine. Basically, pooping standing up and pooping three times a day, it could be because they're not fully defecating all at once. Right. Yeah. It's not about the frequency. So I know that uh, some studies say that, okay, we have to look at the frequency and if they're pooping less than three times a week, that means that they're constipated. But sometimes kids are pooping more than three times a day. And that could mean Mm -hmm. that they're constipated too. So uh, this is not really um, um, an element. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, we need to look at the bladder and bowel movement of the child. Normally, a child should be able to pee or at least hold urine for two hours at a time. So be able to hold it for two hours. And they should be able to have one mushy bowel movement a day. And that's what you're, you're going for. And so if you're seeing kind of things that are falling outside of those parameters, it's so much better to go ahead and start figuring out what's causing that than to just kind of put it off. Because it is true when they're little like that, you think... You know, urine accidents are just part of it or, you know. Which they are. If you're body training a child Mm -hmm. and uh, they're having accidents the first two days because they didn't get it, that's something. But we always have to look at the outcome. The goal is for them to understand, have that feeling, Mm -hmm. hold it and make it to the restroom. Well, if they peed while making it to the restroom, it's fine. That's part of the process. Accidents will happen. We have to, you know, not be anxious about it, prepare ourselves and prepare the house and prepare everything around it. Right. But if a child have been dry and body trained, and then he starts having accidents or bedwetting accidents or soiling accidents, oh, there's a question mark, a big one as well. And if you're, if the only treatment you're getting is take Miralax or prune juice, Right. That's not a treatment. <laughs> yeah. So again, we have to look at the holistic, all of the pelvic floor, mm-hmm. like the core, the, the organs, the muscles, everything. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we will be back to talk about pelvic floor therapy for children. Special thanks to our sponsor, Genesis PT and Wellness. Emily and I have both been helped by pelvic floor therapy. You can listen to our past episodes to hear a lot more about it. And we both know it can offer so much more than people realize. Genesis PT and Wellness utilizes a holistic approach to help you heal, regain the ability to optimally care for your children, safely return to exercise, perform your daily work and household activities, and simply live without pain or dysfunction. Every person deserves the type of care provided by Genesis PT and Wellness. And lucky for you, there are five convenient locations in the DFW Metroplex, as well as options for virtual therapy. Go to genesisptwellness.com or find them on Instagram at 
Genesis PT Wellness. We often think about pelvic floor therapy for like postpartum women in many cases. That's kind of the buzzword now. So when we were referred to pelvic floor therapy, I was like, for my, I'm like, for my six-year-old, I honestly didn't even know it was a thing. But can you tell me how does what how does pelvic floor therapy correct some of these issues like what actually is going on it depends again so we need to um first we look at the muscles okay we one you need to have the consent of the child you need to have a parent or a chaperone in the room this is very important yes very important like even i'm gonna just talk about um, an experience that happened in my own clinic um, uh, in Beirut. I uh, had a six-year-old coming in with the mom and um, the child wasn't comfortable for me to check um, his. So what we do is we don't do internal exam. We only do an external exam, uh, but the child was not comfortable to get on the table and, um, um, and, you know, undress and for me to check out his pelvic floor muscle movement. The mom insisted like, hey, no, this is Dr. Leah. You have to, we're here, do that. I'm like, ma'am, <laughs> with all the respect, if he's not, if he's not comfortable, we can't do it. Because anyway, the, the exam is going to be um, um, false. He's going to be contracting. He's going to be scared. Yeah. So I'm not going to really know how the movement of the pelvic floor muscles are going to be. So explaining for children, again, that's why in the activity book that I created, I have a lot of anatomy and illustration on how the bladder nudges you, how it fills up. We need to educate children about their bodies. We need to educate them, take their consent, and then walk them through the process because they're part of it and they're very smart. Yes. So they yes. need to understand why, why am I going to do an enema? How am I going to do an enema? why this woman wants to check my pelvic floor muscles. What are the pelvic floor muscles? Um, what am I feeling? Why am I peeing? And mostly whenever a child has an accident, I always tell patients, hey, when, a child when your child has an accident, it's your bladder that had an accident, not you. That takes the shame away from them. Mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. and even when they have a soiling accident, it's your rectum that goes takes me back to the activity book where I have mm -hmm. the anatomy and where does the pee come from? Where does the poo come from? And all of that sensory awareness that a child needs to understand. So yeah, consent, chaperone in the room always. Mm -hmm. That's very important to just tell the parents. And uh, we check the pelvic floor muscles, uh, the movement. If needed, we can use a biofeedback machine. Most of the time, to be honest, even for adults, I personally don't use biofeedback. I have it in the clinic. I don't use biofeedback machine because mm -hmm. it's not only the only thing we can do. There's too many other things. We can do the pelvic floor muscle relaxation through exercises, like blowing through a straw or doing mm -hmm. other pelvic floor exercises through play. That's what we do. We need to look into the bladder bowel function. How often are they peeing and pooping? How is their core activity? Do they have good internal rotation? Because all of this affects how they're going to defecate. How are they sitting on the toilet? There's too many components we look into, and accordingly, we give a proper treatment plan for the parent. And that's a big part. It's educating the parent or the caregiver, whoever is with the child most of the time, because mm -hmm. what? They see me once every two weeks, right? but they have to learn how to handle it or how to help their child slowly but surely daily through exercises, through activities, through how they sit on the toilet, when to say that on the toilet. And, you know, again, this is very personal on every case is different. 
The reason that we came to pediatric floor therapy, which was uh, recommended and referred to us by the physicians that care for my daughter, is that my kiddo was born with some neurologic malformations is the best way to describe it, right? So she doesn't have all of her vertebrae and she has a lipoma in her conus. And so she has a more exposed spinal cord. And with that lipoma, she has always been under suspect for having a tethered spinal cord. And we were able to kind of figure out all this stuff pretty early on. I mean, I want to say by the time she was two months, we had a pretty good idea. But because all infants are incontinent, right? You can't really, we never could get a clear MRI about whether or not it was actually tethered. And so we kind of went the route to watch symptoms instead of have surgery on her as an infant. And so seven years later, every six months, we see the neurosurgeon. There is a little bit of nerve damage there, and that is created issues for, like you're talking about having the awareness when you need to go. So because there is some nerve damage there, hers isn't as sensitive as a typical neurologic, de- neurologically developed person. Did you try putting her on a schedule? Yes. So when you're saying like when you're saying these things about the healthy bowel habits and stuff like, you know, we've had the meeting with the gastro doctors and you're also. And so we have all the papers of like doing a schedule. You sit down even if you don't do. We have a stool so her feet stay raised. We talk about putting your elbows on your knees, trying to get in good posture. We've also gone through all of the Miralax, all of the, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, I feel like we have done it all, right? Um, so what I'm trying to get to, to say is I was in very skeptical about pelvic floor therapy for at my time, my six-year-old daughter, because I had gone through pelvic floor therapy when we got referred to it. And it really was a tool to use to try to understand really if she could improve her pelvic floor muscles because if she could then that is a good sign for her spinal cord but if we couldn't improve those pelvic floor muscles then that was an indicator that there was actual like nerve communication damage everything you said was our experience i was in the room with her oftentimes we did she did use um, biofeedback yeah biofeedback is a good feedback for the child to understand what's going on especially when they are on the spectrum of autism neuromuscular neuromuscular Mm -hmm. uh, dysfunction and uh and yeah low muscle tone um uh, it's important yeah so in that situation you know i was actually the one every time who in that case we would place um like little sensors and i would do that for her 
she was always covered, but her physical therapist ended up, I mean, she was very nice, had very good rapport with her. And we went for several, several weeks trying to see if we could impact those older issues and new issues that she had. And the thing that I want to say, why I am now personally pro-pediatric physical floor therapy, is it is such a good tool honestly, to evaluate what's going on, right? Because we were, she was able to increase her pelvic floor strength, core, her awareness of it. And I would be the first to admit that I, like the therapist keeps asking her these questions about when she would, you know, have a leak. And and I'm like, she's not going to know how to answer this. I was wrong. She was aware of it. She could articulate it as a first grader. And she became, after like all the things that we went through, she became aware of the function of her own body. She could explain to me that when an accident might happen again, what was going on before that, like to understand what the circumstances were. And I was blown away by that. Um, I mean, yes, it did things for her body, but it did so much, like you said, for her self-confidence, but also for her self-ownership. And that, to me, was worth those weekly visits. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It was a long journey, I'm sure. But yes. um, but yeah, like people need to understand that everybody have pelvic floor muscles and they're mostly the gatekeeper to uh, whatever goes in, whatever goes out of our body. And it can affect children. It can affect adults. It can affect men. It can affect women. Like I love what's Genesis PT. Like we work with everyone, Mm -hmm. no matter what age or, (laughs) or what you're going through. I can't help but wonder too, that if we were more aware of these issues, as we were children or for our own children, how much it would eliminate some of the issues that now we as a middle-aged, like as middle-aged women are having to go through and sort of like almost learning for the very first time, you know, because the day I learned, (laughs) that's why I'm educating the next generation one book at a time. (laughs) Right, exactly. Because the day I learned is probably today. Like this, I was, today years old so many moms are listening to us and they're learning what how to that's the key my goal and every pelvic floor therapist out there's goal is to educate every and any person to learn how to advocate for themselves too Mm -hmm. like we i had to give so many conferences for uh, pediatricians for obgyns for for urologists so that they know that, hey, there's conservative treatment out there. Please refer your patients. They don't know. We can't blame mm-hmm. them. I mean, most of them don't know about pelvic floor physical therapy as doctors as well. And patients look at doctors like, okay, they're, they're the best, most knowledgeable, and they are. And they are. 
but um, but there's as well a holistic approach it's not everything mm-hmm. through surgery not everything is only with the medication or pushing only one thing no we have to look at the muscles and the whole musculoskeletal right. system mm-hmm. yeah. and that's why we're teaching parents through podcasts through instagram through books on how to advocate for themselves even though a doctor tells you oh this is how you need to what you need to do well great but i think there's another option too what do you think about that mm-hmm. it's good for parents to advocate for their children and advocate for themselves when it comes to the pelvic floor issues mm-hmm. and uh, for them to learn more about this topic that is taboo it is taboo i thought it was taboo in the middle east honestly when i was in lebanon <laughs> well I, when i came to the united states and after working here i noticed how many people as well here don't know about it so uh. yeah I, I agree i i did not even know that pelvic floor therapy was a thing until it became a recommendation from my OBGYN doctor this is opening my eyes so much to how i mean obviously our body is interconnected right but just how interconnected all of our systems are and you talk about this affecting you know i think the term that you used emily was self-ownership and dr leah you've said uh, their self-esteem you know and their body awareness and just how how much i want my kids to know those things but would have never thought that all of this goes back to potty mm-hmm. training it's it is it's mm-hmm. mind-blowing and just the notion too that potty the the experience of potty training does really show you red flags right i don't want to i, I feel i'm feeling the need to say i don't want to freak out listeners thinking that, oh, my child is leaking or they're constipated. They have a tethered spinal cord, right? But you yes, knew. We, we knew, you knew right. early on. It was something that they were yeah. able to but see it early has, on. Like yeah. all of this has taught me that if you are having these kind of like bumps in the road, not on day three of potty training, but on day six months or when there was some progress and then some decrease, those are little flags that mom and dad should kind of be like paying attention to because like she said those little flags aren't they aren't going to go away right we're going to get worse it breaks my heart when parents especially you know they they feel like they failed their kids they feel sad but you did what you had to do and yes we all do the best you can't you can't do you can't know everything. You can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How to potty train and how to feed and how to breastfeed. And I, there's a lot. <laughs> so yes. It's a full-time job and there's a lot to learn. Thankfully, right now through social media and through more like openness, like the fact that we're talking about this, mm-hmm. you and I today might help so many other moms right now to prevent, like maybe she's pregnant and she's going to have a baby. Great. What yeah. should I do? How can I start helping my child build this confidence? Talk about uh, the potty training or talk about bodily function and educate my child to learn how mm-hmm. to listen to his body or her body mm-hmm. and how to advocate for themselves as well. Well, thank you so much. I have enjoyed this conversation immensely. Who knew potty training and pelvic floor therapy could be such an exciting topic? Um <laughs> I think it's a great launching point, like to continue the conversation and make it part of our 
for lack of a better word, like our mom talk, like what we talk about in milestones and parenting our kiddos and in those things. And like you sharing your story today, I know, I know you feel, I don't know, you're, you're scared about your daughter, how she will feel about it, but many, many children like in your daughter's class in the same class mm-hmm. are suffering from bedwetting, constipation, mm-hmm. yeah. or soiling accidents, and nobody's going to talking about it. So you're right. opening up this conversation and talking about it, like your daughter's story might right now be, be uh, help another mom and let her open up about it. That's the problem. Over dinner or over breakfast, nobody's going to tell you, oh, I have sexual pain. Oh, my daughter mm-hmm. is being in bed. She's eight years old. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to open this conversation right. over dinner table. That's but right. they would tell you, hey, I have neck pain. Where should I go? Which physical therapist do you recommend? And everybody's going to start telling you where to go. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're trying to do. Open the conversation about the pelvic floor muscles because they are muscles just like your neck muscles, just like yes. your quadriceps, just like anything else in your body and there's treatment out there and there's help and it is a multidisciplinary approach so we do work with the pediatricians and with the gi Mm -hmm. doctors so we have to rule out any systemic or physiological problems first and we need to work on the muscles too because they're going to be affected regardless of what the diagnosis is so Mm -hmm. it is a multidisciplinary approach yes and um we need to open this conversation and i'm so happy to be here today talking to you about this topic and thank you for sharing your story Thank you so much. That was so kind. Um, Dr. Leah, if people want to follow you on social media, where can they find you? So it's uh, under Dr. Leah Ferrali, L-E-A-F-E-G-H-A-L-I. And uh, if they want to find my books, they're online on my website, thedayilearned.com, on Amazon. And they are in Texas um, at Genesis PT Wellness Clinics. Yes, I highly recommend them for pre-training. They're divided into pre-training and potty training phase. And I do have stickers in there, by the way. But the stickers are not for rewards only. It's more about for the child, because the stickers, I have 500 stickers of pee, emojis, poo, water, fruits, and vegetables. So that the child understands what's going into their body. So there's as well a perforated chart. Okay, I drank six cups of water today, two in the a.m., one at noon, and two at night. Oh, how many veggies did I have today? Oh, how many times did I pee on the toilet today? I peed one, two, three, five times, you know? So getting a sticker of pee or poop or water or whatever, whenever yeah. they, they do it, yeah. um, it's for them to understand what went into their body and all of the extra food or the extra fluid that my body doesn't need just went out. Mm-hmm. So it's for them to understand what's going on and to be mindful of it. It's not about rewards per se, but it's more about understanding what's going on. And that's a big aspect of body training. So mm-hmm. uh, that cookie might work for a day or two, but <laughs> yeah. but your child yeah. is gonna um, you know not want that cookie in three weeks. Yeah, they're gonna figure us out pretty quickly. So <laughs> and we'll include all of uh, the links and information um, as well uh, again as the link to the article that she wrote for us on potty training. And um, we'll include all of that in the show notes, so you can go there too to to find it easy peasy. Thank you to Dr. Figali and Genesis PT and Wellness. Genesis PT and Wellness is treating the pelvic floor without Kegels. I don't know about you, but that sounds great to me. You can go to them for prenatal, postpartum, 
pelvic pain, and, as we heard in this episode, pee and poo problems. Check them out in person in DFW or opt into virtual therapy. Do you need to hear more from Dr. Leah? Go to thedayilearned.com or find her on Instagram at Dr. Leah Fegali. You can also check out our show notes to find links and more helpful information from this sponsor. As always, visit fwmoms.com to see the notes from this show, including links to products and content mentioned in this episode. And one more time, just in case you missed it, fwmoms.com. Fort Worth Moms.